This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Let's turn our attention now to South America and Argentina. Formidable rugby playing uh, team, formidable polo uh, playing nation. Yes, the home of Lionel Messi, formidable footballing nation. But politically, what is going on? Now, this is one of the more um, prominent of the emerging market economies and often in global markets, um, the performance of the Argentine peso uh, is looked at as an indication whether uh, investing in frontier markets makes sense or doesn't make sense. But in the last five or so years, Argentina has been fraught with an economy that's underperforming, serious devaluation of the Argentine peso. Uh, you know, you think interest rates have gone up in South Africa. You need to just look at Argentina. I think there we're talking interest rates going up above even the 20 to 30 percent mark. I stand to be corrected. So this is regarded as the worst economic crisis in 20 years. And when people are feeling the strain uh, economically, it then starts to have a bearing politically. And with elections taking place in the country, it looks as though the most far right candidate is in with a chance. Let's find out what that means, not just for Argentina, but for South America um, and even for an expanded BRICS. Professor Lawrence Whitehead joins us now. He's a research fellow in politics at Nuffield College at Oxford University. Good morning, Professor Whitehead. Good morning. All right. So first and foremost, Argentina has always sort of been a barometer on how well the economies and the nations of the developing world fare. Uh, why is that? Why is it such a strategic player in world affairs? It was a very um, wealthy country even 100 years ago, and it has um, gradually slipped further and further behind compared to other emerging markets. But it remains, as you said, a, a, a major uh, supplier, particularly of um, grains and, and, and food goods, mm-hmm. uh, from uh, from Latin America. All right. And so uh, elections took place um, this weekend and we're told that um, without an outright 50% for either candidate, it now will go to uh, a runoff. But there is a sense that um, the far-right candidate actually has a significant uh, lead in terms of public polling and perceptions over others. Just tell us about this election process, please. So... There is a second round which will take place in six weeks' time, and it's not yet clear who is going to prevail on that. But the outcome yesterday shifted the balance of expectations and improved the chances that the current government may just about limp through, um, while the challenger, the far-right challenger, who was really in the lead in the polls uh, until Saturday, uh, actually came through relatively poorly. He will be in the second round, but it's going to be a struggle for him to defeat the outgoing government. And he would have very poor relationship, very little support in the Congress. 
All right. So the far right candidate that everybody worldwide is watching closely didn't do particularly well this past weekend, uh, could still pull a a rabbit out of a hat six weeks from now. But from what you can see, uh, it's unlikely. So the the incumbent government is literally going to have to consolidate their message and their position. But they may probably prevail six weeks from now. Probably. That's my guess. And that's certainly the message Uh, of the voters as opposed to the pollsters. Um, One of the things that may have happened was that a lot of very young voters who'd never voted before and who had no allegiances to the main politicians told the pollsters that they were fed up with everybody and they would go for the most drastic uh, opponent, Mm. not because they believed in his program, but because they just wanted to express their disgust with all politicians. And when it came to it, uh, either they, they had second thoughts or being younger voters, they may not actually have um, uh, turned out in the same way mm. as the older ones. You know, you know, I love the, the, the point you're raising. The voters on the day versus the pollsters who are used as a kind of a barometer. And that's what happened in the United States uh, eight years ago when Donald Trump prevailed, is that the polls were telling everyone that the Democrats were doing really well. And on election day, voters said something else and moved uh, into that far right uh, corner. So um, regardless of what's happened in this particular runoff election, is there a sense that that frustration that voters have is fueling a kind of a radicalism in the country? There's certainly a very strong showing by uh, those who believe that the entire political caste, as they call it, are utterly corrupt and discredited and they don't see themselves as choosing between politicians but really as voting against the political system as a whole. They got 30% of the vote in the poll in mm. uh, yesterday's vote and um, I'm sure that they will get over 40% when it comes to the second round. But I don't know that they're going to make it to 50. Mm. I think there's an upper limit to that mm. because the rest of the population get scared stiff by the Mm. prospect of such a negative outcome. Okay. And regardless of what happens six weeks from now, what are the issues on the table? It seems as though the economy is front and center for everyone. Yes, the economy is really terrible. And by the way, I heard you saying the interest rates were above 20%. They're much higher than that. Mm. In fact, the inflation rate this year is 140% so far. And the interest rate is above 100%. And the uh, currency is, um, I mean, there are multiple exchange rates, but uh, if you wanted to get foreign, if you wanted to buy dollars using pesos, you would find that you were in an absolutely terrible position. Because the dollars you bought in the morning might not be worth what you bought them for in the afternoon. Is it that kind of situation? Because there are so many rules and obstacles to to getting a fair rate of exchange, which means that a lot of the farmers, I mentioned that Argentina is a great farming country a lot of the farmers have been considered i mean withholding their crops because they think uh that they that there will be a bigger devaluation and they'll be able to get a better uh, access to dollars later on mm. that was one of the things that was uh, at stake in the election 
My goodness. Okay. And so that also compounds issues around the economy is that if farmers are hoarding grain stocks, uh, pushing up prices for staples, uh, it means the cost of living is extraordinarily high. Uh, and it does create a, 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 a route in the market. And what it also does do, it's compounded by the drought in the country. And so it creates more social problems. Um, how do those manifest in a country like um, Argentina? Just to stress your point, the drought in Argentina made what was already a very bad political situation uh, an economic disaster. Roughly speaking, as a result of the drought, the farmers, the harvest this year is half what it had been the previous year. Now, that's a temporary setback, but in a situation where the economy is in a bad way. Um, I think next year the harvest, as likely as not, will return to normal. Uh, the drought will be over, and the economy will pick up a bit. But mm-hmm. we're at the height of the crisis from that drought uh, at this moment and in this election campaign. And the government, the outgoing government, being frightened of the popular uh, reaction, has been concocting all sorts of uh, temporary expedients and subsidies which actually are too expensive and can't be sustained. Sure. Okay. So it's a really very tricky situation. Um, I remember watching Argentine news a couple of months ago, and it seemed as though the former president um, was uh, being charged with some form of corruption, that there have been a lot of complex political issues in the country, regardless of the economy as well. Could you tell us a little bit about that? So over the past 20 years, there was a crisis like this 20 years ago. Since then, the uh, elections have always produced a, a so-called Peronist government, or rather uh, somewhat leftist government with popular uh, lower-class support. Uh, the president you're referring to is not the current president, but uh, Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner, who yeah. was the previous president. Yeah. And she has, by the way, just been uh, elected vice president. Well, she's about to be elected vice president of one of the big of the biggest province, a vice governor, I should say. Mm-hmm. As a result of that, she will have immunity from prosecution for the corruption that charges uh, against her. So uh, she has managed to come through this um, by being by standing back and not being visible in the election campaign. She is going to emerge. Uh, I won't say unscathed, but still in the game. Mm. And the current president, the man who's about to leave office, uh, was so unpopular, his name is also Fernandez, that he, although he was allowed to run again this time, uh, he did not try to run again. And he wasn't even in the country for much of the election campaign. He was going abroad, as it were, negotiating debt deals. And um, therefore, the the mandate for the Peronists has fallen on the economy minister. It is the economy minister who's a much more, probably, I would say, more moderate figure, certainly a very seasoned uh, politician, who uh, has done unexpectedly well in yesterday's elections and is now probably going to win in the second round. Okay, so from what I'm hearing you say, some of the, shall we call them status quo personalities in Argentine politics find themselves severely compromised. Uh, A former president facing corruption charges, reinventing herself as a deputy governor of a province to avoid 
uh, prosecution, the incumbent president not even in the country uh, during campaign season, uh, not even a candidate up for re-election. And so then they've put forward um, the economy minister um, as a safe pair of hands, and he's likely to emerge the winner. And so there are a lot of issues, not just about the economy, but about governance is what I'm hearing you say. And it just seems to be such a repetitive story, not just for Argentina, but for many other uh, emerging markets too. Yes, it's not unknown in other countries, but Argentina is a very spectacular and extreme demonstration of what may happen. By the way, there is another former president uh, of a more conservative uh, persuasion who is going to hasn't quite got himself elected mayor of the capital city yet, but who is he's got 49% on the first round, and I'm sure he will emerge as the mayor of Buenos Aires, a great city. Uh, in six weeks' time. So although the voters, in the, 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 the dissidents were saying, we want to get rid of all the politicians, the fact is that leading politicians from both sides are going to be in office again uh, when this process is over. So these elections, what do they mean for Latin America? Because it is a very strategic trading partner for North America, um, and uh, we're now starting to see uh, Argentina sort of extend its tentacles, shall we say that, into new multilateral fora. But we'll talk about the BRICS issue in a moment. But what does all of this mean for Latin America? So the most important relationship in Latin America is between Brazil and Argentina. If uh, the radical challenger had been elected, he would have walked away from ties both with Brazil and with, uh, the, in the so-called Mercosur, mm-hmm. there would have been serious problems between Argentina and Brazil. And he would also have been uh, very much against relations with China. That was very frightening to a lot of people in uh, Argentina because they really need those trade relationships, both with, Argenti- with um, Brazil uh, and with China. And so uh, the current economy minister will be working very hard to try and reassure Argentina's alarmed partners that uh, when the election is over, something more like normalcy will return. And um, normalcy means what in an economy that's been underperforming for such a long time? I'm afraid the economy may well continue to underperform. But as I said, a return, Argentina is an immensely wealthy uh, in terms of agricultural land, very Mm. fertile land and a surplus of food that it can export to the world. And um, that has been interrupted by the the terrible drought. But that is likely to swing back into something more like, I won't say a very healthy condition, but a more normal condition Mm. because the drought is now uh, uh, easing. Uh, and the next year's harvest will probably be uh, normal. Mm. So that means that um, once the election, uh, it's going to be a very messy political process, but there are underlying forces that could stabilize the economy in a year or two. One of the other features is that Argentina has considerable hydrocarbon resources, Mm. notably gas and oil, Mm. which is in a very remote part of the country but now pipelines have just been uh, completed Mm. and uh, that new source of uh, 
hydrocarbons at a time when energy prices are high will also come to their rescue in a year or two's time. Mm. All right. So we do know because South Africa uh, has been chair of the BRICS Forum uh, for this year and so uh, of the BRICS body uh, this year and hosted the BRICS Heads of State Summit this year. And we do know that the outcome of that BRICS Summit led to the announcement of an expanded uh, block to include six other nations, one of whom uh, is Argentina, who've been invited to participate. You know, on the surface, it looked as though it was a lobby that came strongly from the Brazilian side as neighbors, Latin American countries, two big economies in Latin America. But you're also mentioning that there are very strong relations with China. So just tell us uh, about Argentina's future if they accept the invitation to be at BRICS, what they bring to the table, and why a, a China would have also added its voice in support of an Argentina. What is this relationship they have? Yes, well, um, the election was very critical in regard to these questions. And until we have the definite results of the second ballot, I'm running a little bit ahead of things by mm. uh, arguing that uh, there's a return to normalcy. Uh, it's still in the balance. One of the candidates would have absolutely turned his back on the BRICS and uh, broken uh, many critical ties with China. That's the right-wing candidate. And, uh, of course, I, I cannot at this stage say for sure that he will not prevail, but mm. I think it's unlikely. Um, so I think, on the whole, the pro- pro- prospects are... Uh, for uh, relations with Brazil and China to be normalized next year. And I think there's a fairly good chance, uh, particularly because of the support from Brazil, that uh, the Argentine uh, government may uh, decide to join the BRICS. But that's really uncertain. I I shouldn't really make Mm. a speculation like that because the balance of power inside the Congress will determine that and no single faction will have a majority in the Congress. As for China, um, the Chinese government has, well, obviously as major exporters of food, um, Argentina is uh, of great interest uh, to China, who imports uh, a a good deal of that grain. Uh, And in addition to that, the Chinese have regarded this uh, Peronist government as uh, a partner uh, willing to uh, operate on a range of different uh, activities, including mm. um, including all sorts of uh, things that are, are possibly in, in the critics of China say mm. they're examples of Chinese um, penetration of the economy and seizing improper advantage over um, parts of uh, the country. Mm. Uh, that's what the critics say. Um, On the other side, the Chinese have put a lot of money into Argentina, and in particular, the Chinese have just now been helping the Argentine government in its very difficult relationship with its external creditors. In a sense, it could be said that the Chinese have been helping the current um, economy minister get through this crisis. And I think that uh, to that extent, uh, they will be appreciated and... um, there will be some gratitude and reciprocity if indeed he uh, comes to power. Okay, but all of this obviously depends, as you've been at pains to explain, 
on the runoff election, uh, on the final election six weeks from now, and whether or not the incumbent government or represented by the finance minister prevails, or indeed if there is a shock, uh, which is then the election of the far-right party. And if the far-right candidate comes to power, they are likely to turn their back on these new formations like BRICS. But um, yesterday's election suggested otherwise, but we'd still have to wait and see. Let's talk about those international creditors, because it's not the first time that Argentina has had to go to the IMF for a bailout. We saw these images 20 years ago, and now it's a kind of a deja vu. Um, And once a country gets to a point where it needs to have its operational budget propped up by uh, the Bretton Woods institutions, that's where uh, things become really tricky because they need their loans paid back. They want to see slashing of, uh, you know, um, what would we call fruitless expenditure, cutting down a civil servants, uh, a civil service and the like. And it seems to me as though Argentina needs a stimulus of the economy. So what's balancing the interests of international creditors whilst also needing to stimulate some kind of economic recovery uh, at home? Well, you are right that the, um, uh, the the relationship with Argentina with the IMF is a critical element, and that this is not the first time. In fact, I am at the IMF has had more problems over a very long period of time uh, with Argentina than with any other country, and this is a repetition of a uh, of a cycle in which Argentina is actually such a big uh, debtor to the IMF that the IMF is not in a very strong position to uh, impose conditions. It's a kind of uh, tug of war uh, between both sides. The IMF's conditions are not met, but they can't afford to turn their backs on Argentina, so they uh, look for ways to make some allowances. And the Argentine government says, look, this drought isn't something we could have foreseen. COVID isn't something we could have foreseen. We're Mm -hmm. unable to meet the terms we agreed to for very good reasons beyond our control. And to some extent, the Argentine, the IMF accepts that. But the IMF is then left in a position uh, that it uh, lacks the tight control over Argentine economic policy that it would want. And in an election period, especially, the government's top priority is not to do what the IMF wants, it's to do whatever it needs in order to survive in a terrible economic crisis. So um, the aftermath, I mean, some people are afraid that between now and six weeks' time, the government will do further irresponsible things, shall we say, subsidies that cannot be sustained, simply in order to uh, hold on until the second round. And therefore, when the government is finally got the, has finally got the election out of the way, the position in Argentina will be even worse. Well, the IMF is not in a position to control what happens over the next six weeks, and uh, the mess that has to be cleaned up after that is going to be um, a, a major headache for the IMF. Thank you so much for your time. So many great insights shared with us. And once again, Argentina making international headlines for all the wrong reasons around fiscal and financial management. And as the professor said, yes, Lerato, interest rates are at their highest, but they're not 
over 20%. They're actually over 100% because inflation is over 140%. Imagine that. And as a result, when you just don't know what is the what is worth of your money on any given day and you're a producer and a manufacturer at cost in that country, um, you know, what do you price your goods at when you put stuff in the shops? Because what you made it for, um, the cost you incurred to make it uh, is something you have to pass on to the consumer who can no longer take on the strain. And for that reason, uh, Argentina uh, has the economy front and center of uh, its considerations as the people go to the polls. They went there this weekend. There's a runoff. And as what as what uh, Lawrence Whitehead, Professor Whitehead, has told us from Oxford University, it seems just by virtue of the results yesterday that the current government will just manage to just hold on to power with a very, very simple uh, majority uh, if you look at the outcome of yesterday. But there could still be a surprise. And that's the. Um, victory of a far-right party, something that has been concerning many international investors and pundits as well. And if that is indeed the outcome, then Argentina and BRICS is something you must forget about, as well as many other relationships as well. Argentina, the country of Diego Maradona, the country of Lionel Messi, the country of the Central Tango, can't seem to dance their way out of this very messy problem. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.